This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, May 17th, 2023. I'm Caleb Brown. What do entrepreneurs do? What's their role? And why do critics from the left and right seem to think that it's easy to be an entrepreneur, or if not easy, at least a formulaic, recipe-based enterprise? Cater's Deidre McCloskey is here to help everyone understand it a little better. It seems that uh, either from left or right, and probably everywhere in between, and probably libertarians and authoritarians as well, uh, misunderstand how we ought to understand uh, the role of the entrepreneur. Well, for, for one thing, they think that business is easy. They being what I call the clerisy, the, the professors, the journalists, the think tank people, the, uh, the ordinary readers of the New York Times, that kind of thing, they think they're superior to these people in business, mere business people, and that, you know, it's pretty easy to run a small business, they think. Now, this is, of course, nuts. Anyone who's with any <laughs> human sympathy knows that running most small businesses is really hard. Harder, really, than being a, a corporate person, usually. Anyway, they, so they think it's easy. So they think, well, so that's no problem. We can do that. Um, an, an old example of this was Lenin, the son of an educational administrator in Tsarist Russia, himself, that is, Lenin, was a lawyer. And he believed in, in, in said in the state revolution, he said, our plan under communism is to make the Russian economy into one big factory. Of course, guess who will be the CEO? And that's easy. Just, just that, there's nothing to that. So it completely misses the artistic, as it were, the creative part of entrepreneurship. So the artistic part, uh, to yeah. hear somebody like Pete Betke yeah. or Israel Kirzner Absolutely. Uh, make this characterization of what an entrepreneur does, they are alert. They're alert. And they, that's the, the phrase that uh, the word that Israel applied very intelligently and, and Pete is student. Um, talks about it, and any Austrian economist with any sense, though there are some that don't have any sense, um, will make the same point that, I mean, the core of Austrian economics is that the economy is not a machine. It's a conversation. This is very clear in the case of the Austrian economist Lachmann, who spent his career mainly in South Africa. Um, it's a conversation, and it's unpredictable. You know, it, it's not a for, it's not a formula. It's not even game theory. It's not even as formulaic as that. And whereas the kind of economics that I was trained in at Harvard and then practiced at the University of Chicago, pretty much says we've got things we call production functions, by which they meant mathematical expressions that tell you how much capital and labor and land you need to do something. It's, it's a recipe book, as the great economist Paul Samuelson called it. And then you just go to the recipe book. And what's the problem? 
it's again, you see, it's a version of thinking that business is easy, that 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 it's just routine. You learn a little bit about financial accounting and tiny bit about marketing, and you're off to the races. You can't, you know, and it. <laughs> It's so far from the actual experience of people in business, and that experience is deeply uncertain. The, the entrepreneur was called by Frank Knight and earlier by David Ricardo, the residual claimant. That's, they get their reward after all the hireable, that's the key word, hireable Factors of production, as we say in economic jargon, all the the, the people and the and the and the loans and the machines and the land and so forth has been paid off. Then, if there's anything left over, it goes to the entrepreneur, which is the critical. If there's anything left over, that's the problem. If, if you know, there, there's an an American proverbial expression which I've. I use a lot, which is, if you're so smart, why aren't you rich? If you in the clerisy think that business is easy, why don't you do it? <laughs> and you'll discover that you're the residual claimant of something losing a million dollars a year. The old joke in uh, farming is the way to earn a million dollars in farming is to start with three million. So, right. I've heard that about horse racing, too, if you want to or, or owning a winery or something yeah, yeah. like that. If you... we're, we're a few days now from the running of the Kentucky Derby. And that's that's the issue. So if people like Lenin yeah. fundamentally misunderstand what entrepreneurs do, yeah, yeah. fine. We yeah, understand yeah. that. We assume Stalin also yeah. misunderstood the, what entrepreneurs can deliver for people. He, he understood how to be an entrepreneur of tyranny. He developed a whole bunch of new techniques. So really, they worked. Oh, fair <laughs> enough. I guess well, that's an innovation of a sort. <laughs> yeah, but to the extent that uh, people who are of the left, but not out and out communist, sure. uh, I feel like there is a contradiction in their understanding of entrepreneurship, which while uh, people on the left in the United States yeah. broadly support markets for the distribution of resources so and, they and and they they trust that process, I think, yeah. more than maybe they're willing to say on Twitter. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, there is a sense that, well, we can just regulate the hell out of these guys That's right. and they'll find a way to comply with it, That's which is right. which is weird because it seems like an enormous amount of trust yeah, that's right. in this system to be nimble. Yeah, that's right. To to work with their a new uh, may perhaps oppressive constraint. Yeah. But still, nonetheless, get the job done. And then we get to wave our fists in the air and say, look what we did. That's right. On the left. They, uh, uh, it's true, they, they depend on the market. They go to the market and they do expect there to be a, a milk bottle they can buy, you know, and they, and they don't even think about it. They, they don't regard it as the miracle that we um, liberals think it is. We liberals in the, in the European sense, in the old sense, think it is. Um, it's, it's the miracle of markets. You know, it's, it, it, I always make the point to, that it's, it's similar to the miracles of the miracle of the loaves and fishes, except that it happens every day. It doesn't just happen once when Jesus does it. 
And then they think again on this theme that business is easy, that yeah, you can you can keep adding restrictions. For let, let's take a couple of concrete examples. The banking industry is the most regulated industry in the United States. And very dynamic. And very dynamic in inventing new ways of not hurting people, but of allocating capital. And yet, on the left, they think the thing to do every time there's any kind of worry in the financial system add more regulation. The same is true of the medical system of the United States, which is a, which is a pile of um, astounding monopolies, one after another, piled on top of each other. And again, the formula from the left is add more government-sponsored monopolies, such as that of the doctors or the drug companies. So, but, but, there's a there's a mistake even among libertarians at the University of Chicago someone who's not an economist said my colleagues here at Chicago believe a contradiction they believe that everyone is rational and anyone who doesn't think so is an idiot <laughs> and you see the problem here. They're in On both sides, there's a kind of on-off methodology. Things are either perfect or completely imperfect, and, and there, there's no quantitative sense on either side. I think, and I, it's shown to me every day, that markets work pretty well. Trammeled, though. Look, people are always talking about how terrible it is to have untrammeled competition. Now, in what world is it a good idea to trammel people? <laughs> is it Are people better when they're slaves than when they're free people? I don't think so. So on the right, these are at least traditionally, I don't know what a lot of people on the right believe these days, but uh, on the... They, they've gone off the cliff, but let's... Let's leave that and That's aside. a whole other conversation. <laughs> yes, it is. But on the right, uh, there has been this sort of longstanding, uh, at least a sort of a Reagan-esque feel that yeah. uh, bootstrapping, that getting yeah. out there and yeah. trying, yeah. and it's okay to fail. Sure. And uh, you you try to you try to do the best for yourself and yeah. the, the profit that comes to you. Well, that's fine. That's yeah. fine, too. We celebrate that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but what do they get wrong when they talk about the entrepreneur? Are, is the right better at this in terms of understanding what the entrepreneurs do? In their heart, they are, but in their head, they're not. <laughs> they're right to uh, be, um, uh, how can I say, satisfied and supportive of, satisfied with and supportive of American enterprise. That's very sound. Uh, because American enterprise, and not just American, but Brazilian and, and Russian and Chinese and French and so forth, enterprise is what's made us rich, not accumulating capital. But then when you get on the sort of factual mind side, not the heart, but the mind, then they get a bunch of things wrong. They think, for example, that capital accumulation is what made us rich. 
And, you know, I'm, I'm in favor of capital accumulation. Look around at the studio. It's capital accumulation. I'm all for it. But it's not itself creative. If you make this studio you have and, and you have no idea of how to use it or innovative things to do with it, it's dead capital. It just sits there. It doesn't do anything. It's a car you can't drive. It's a car you can't drive. You don't know how to drive it. And you don't have any creative use for it like Uber, which is an amazingly creative idea for using ordinary uh, passenger automobiles owned by, the, owned by the driver. So they think – here's one of the various mistakes that's come out of that. They think that people who are rich – must be virtuous because people who are rich do most of the investing, at least investing in physical capital. And so they must be good because it's physical capital that's really the driver of the economy. And that's just baloney. The driver of the economy is the entrepreneur. The driver of the economy is creativity, alertness, uh, uh, the new idea. And uh, so they tend to think, well, if they're old-fashioned conservatives, they tend to think that the existing knowledge we have is all we need. And let's not do any of these scary-sounding innovations. Let's just be put the women back in the kitchen and let's just get this place organized and by along Catholic lines say – so they so they understand, and this this is, relates to another conversation that we've had uh, privately, which is that uh, conservatives are perhaps more likely to take the institutions we have for granted, absolutely as as given as given and worship worthy. Uh, uh, we have a statue here, two blocks from where Cato is, of Edmund Burke, the great conservative of the late. Uh, 18th century in, in uh, Britain, and and Burke admired uh, the existing institutions. Now, look, I'm I'm not I'm not a bomb thrower. I don't want to tear away, you know, Tom Paine, a, a, a contemporary of Burke, and as you know, it famous, very important in both the American and the French Revolution. He said, "We have the power to make the world again." And that's that's radical, and that's not my view. I, I think we don't have the world. We we don't have the power to just tear everything down and then make it all up again. That's Lenin's idea. That's that's the the left's idea. But the the conservative idea that these are worship worthy institutions. We're about to have in a couple of days. I don't want to date this conversation too much, but tomorrow, actually, Charles III is being crowned in, in London. And you know, I'm, I'm kind of have mixed feelings about it, but on the other hand, it's the great old, almost thousand-year-old ceremonies. But they're not the creative part of the society. They're not what make us rich. They're not what make us free, for that matter. If all we do is... Uh, pledge um, loyalty to the king. Well, yeah, but we're not going to be free people. So the left broadly then 
ought to appreciate more yes. the fact that markets do a better job than any system so far invented. That's the old joke, to, as, as Churchill said. Uh, um, uh, democracy is the best, is the worst system, except all those others that we've tried from time to time. And the same is true of what I what I would prefer to call innovism. We usually call it capitalism. And the right should be more willing to be critical of the institutions that may very well be inhibiting the kinds of innovism that you promote. Exactly. And the kind of institutions that can can uh, can can prevent innovation are legion. <laughs> They're all over the place. One of them is called Congress and uh, and the other is called the executive and the third is called the courts. And all three of them are essentially conservative institutions in the sense, in, in, and often, not always, of course, but often in a bad way. The other neighbor of Cato, I've mentioned uh, Edmund Burke, is, uh, is K Street. We're on, on L Street, one block away from K Street, and, and K Street in Washington is the home of the interest-grubbing um, side of our, our politics. Uh, no, I'm, 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 I must correct you there. These are all virtuous rich people that we're talking about, of <laughs> that's, course. That's the trouble. If, <laughs> if uh, you know, I'm, I'm uh, in favor of Walt Disney and his battle against the, the governor of Florida, except it's not Walt. It's just the Disney Corporation. But the Disney Corporation also, in 1998, passed what is known in the trade as the Mickey Mouse Law, extending copyright uh, um, 20 years uh, um, into the future. It was already 50 years after the death of the creator. Now it's 70 years after the death of the creator. I don't know what they're going to do now because that, that law has run out. So they're undoubtedly... This very powerful corporation is going to K Street and trying to work out a further extension of the copyright on Mickey Mouse, an extremely and, and, valuable. And that's in opposition to a, a lot of creativity that could be it's unleashed. It's tremendous. Look, it, if I had Mickey Mouse, I could use it to teach economics, but I'm not allowed to. And they're fierce. They're the, the company that's most fierce in protecting its... Not so much its copyright, but its its image is the Coca-Cola company, which will go to great lengths and great distances from Atlanta to prevent you from using the script that's characteristic of Coca-Cola um, bottles. Deirdre McCloskey is the Isaiah Berlin Chair in Liberal Thought at the Cato Institute we spoke earlier this month. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast. <laughs>